0: We would, we would be finished up with Mark a week or two before Christmas and we probably would, would talk about the birth of Jesus today, but the Lord, Lord kind of changed my mind on that and uh, we actually ended up taking a lot longer getting through this chapter 15. I had it intended to preach it in big chunks, but we've broken it down in much smaller chunks and so the Lord has, has brought us here to the resurrection of Jesus this morning. And as I thought about this and prayed about it over the last uh, couple of weeks, should I, should I continue on in Mark or should we talk about the birth of Jesus? I felt like, you know what, maybe the Lord has brought us to this occasion at this time for a reason. Maybe the Lord has slowed, slowed us down and, and brought us here on this day. And so uh, we are going to continue on because when we talk about the birth of Jesus... We are talking about an event that occurred that would lead to another event. Jesus came for one reason. Jesus didn't come to to be born and to live a good life and to die an old man in his old age. That's not why Jesus came. That was not the plan from the beginning. When Jesus was born, the cross was awaiting him. That was going to be the destiny of Jesus and we we talk about the birth of Jesus and we celebrate the birth of Jesus and that's a good thing we are we are pleased that that a messiah has come we are pleased that the savior of the lord has come we are pleased that the son of god has come and we and we read about the birth of Jesus and and this was a wonderful time and and we see some Simeon and Anna and others in the story right after Jesus's birth that that praise the Lord because they've seen the Messiah, that praise the Lord because the redemption of God has come, the redemption that you and I need. And many people were amazed and praising the Lord because the prophecies had been fulfilled and and Jesus, the Messiah, had come onto the scene. and, And we rejoice in that. We praise God that Jesus came. But that's really only half the story. It's great that Jesus came because had Jesus not have come, we would not have had any hope. And so by Jesus coming, he did part of what was required, but that was not all of what was required. And so from the time of Jesus' birth throughout his whole ministry, which we've, which we've looked at from, from Mark's account, different aspects of the ministry of Jesus and the things he did and the miracles he worked and the things that he preached and the things that he taught and the preparation that he left for his disciples so that they would be able to continue his work and that he would have them ready to pick up right where he left off. And, and we've seen all of those things. And the very thing that Jesus had come to do had occurred. We've covered it in Mark. Jesus had lived his life and he had fulfilled his mission, but there was one thing left to do. Jesus had left us an example. He had left us the teachings. He had left us the way that we are to to live for God. And he had told us that we are to follow him. And Jesus had done his work. But for all of what Jesus had put into motion, there was one thing left to occur. And that is Jesus had to give his life. For there to be the power to to put all of these things into place. for, For God's plan to come together. For there to be the power of forgiveness of sins. For there to be the power over death. For there to be the power over sin and, and God's kingdom to rule eternity, Jesus had to pay the price. He had to give his life on the cross. He had to shed his blood so that you and I could be forgiven. And I praised God and, and looked forward to and spoke of the redemption that came when Jesus the Messiah came. But for that redemption to take place, a price had to be paid. Our sins had to be covered. And as we've seen in the last few weeks in Mark 15, Jesus has paid that price. And the story is almost over, but not quite. Jesus came, praise the Lord. Jesus died on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins, but the story cannot stop there. There has to be some hope. There has to be something that comes from the fact that Jesus gave his life. Jesus gave his life, but what far? But for what hope? What, what, what do we hold on to by knowing that Jesus gave his life? How can we rejoice in that fact that Jesus suffered and died? Was, is that all it is to it? That he suffered and was put in a grave and that's the end of the story? But it's not the end of a story. Jesus came. He lived faithfully to the Lord and he died faithfully carrying out the Lord's will, and he died because he loved you and I, but that's not the end of the story. So let's pray, and we will read a little more this morning. Father God, we come to you, and we thank you for your good words, and God, we thank you for Jesus, and I pray that you help us to realize how great of a sacrifice that Jesus made. God, that Jesus didn't come to be to be some big shot in this world, to be to be some fancy guy, to be some wealthy guy, to be some guy with a lot of power, with no worries. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus came to give his life on a cross. It was a tough job, but God, we thank you that Jesus was willing to leave his place with you and come humbly and be born in a manger and live humbly and die humbly. God, we thank you for Jesus. God, help us not to forget and fail to realize how significant that is. Help us to remember that today. Let your Holy Spirit speak to us and let us rejoice in these words we will see this morning. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 15, verse 42. This was after Jesus had had breathed his last breath. When it was already evening, because it was preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the Sanhedrin, who was himself looking forward to the kingdom of God, came and boldly went in to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he had already died. When he found out from the centurion, He gave the corpse to Joseph. And so Jesus had given his life on the cross. He had breathed his last breath. And now there was one of his followers who wanted to give him a proper burial, this Joseph of Arimathea. And it's interesting what we see of Joseph here. It says that he was a prominent member of the Sanhedrin. Now, these are some of the very ones that wanted to kill Jesus on the Sanhedrin. Some of the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees and some of the higher-ups in the religious in the religious world around Jerusalem are some of the ones who wanted Jesus to be killed the most, but not all of them. And we see that here with Joseph of Arimathea. He was part of the Sanhedrin. And, and the scriptures tell us as we read the other gospel accounts that he was a he was a righteous man. He was a godly man. We see here that he was looking forward to the kingdom of God, much like that thief, that uh, the the criminal that we saw on the cross uh, a few weeks ago. He wanted to enter into God's kingdom, and here was one, Joseph of Arimathea, who also was looking forward to the kingdom of God. He was looking forward of, of leaving all the pains of this world and being in God's kingdom, but the scriptures tell us, not here in Mark, but in other gospel accounts, that he had to do so uh, in secret. He could not make it known because uh, chances are that many, if not most, on the Sanhedrin and many of the circles he, he he went around in were the people who hated Jesus. And so he had to keep things quiet. He had to keep a, keep a low profile. He couldn't go out and, and say openly that he was a follower of Jesus, but lo and behold, it tells us in the scripture, that Joseph was a disciple of Jesus. he was a rich man, he was part of the religious religious uh, order that kind of ruled of the day but 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 underneath the surface he was a follower of Jesus he didn't care so much about his title he didn 't care so much about his money, but he did care about Jesus and so this is why we see this Joseph who requested the body of jesus and went to pilate and said look hey i would like his body and when pilate found out yeah he had he had already died he had, he had died quickly pilate was surprised at that and uh he was able to give joseph his body and this was also part of a fulfillment of a scripture a fulfillment of a scripture that we see in isaiah 53 uh, 9 that says jesus was buried with the wicked and with the rich and so at Jesus' death he was with the wicked he was nailed to a cross with criminals he was with those who were mocking him who hated him who hated god but then here he was buried in the tomb of a rich man by joseph of arimathea it also says here that all of this took place uh, when it was already evening because it was preparation day that is the day before the sabbath And so they wanted to get Jesus' body into the tomb before the Sabbath day. It was a holy day. It was a day of rest. And so uh, they weren't going to bury on that day. They needed to get Jesus buried quickly. Now, when we talk about the Sabbath, uh, when the Sabbath begins, uh, it begins in the evening. When we look at Scripture, the the Sabbath day begins in the evening, around 6 o'clock. It's sunset, give or take a few minutes. And so Jesus had died around 3 o'clock, and so it was not going to be long until 6 o'clock, until evening, until the next day started. Jesus was crucified the day before the Sabbath, but they needed to get him quickly into the grave because they could not bury him on the Sabbath day. So they had to get it done within a short period of time. And so this gives us a time frame here as to when Jesus uh, was placed in the tomb. Now, this is an interesting topic to discuss and to to consider, and we won't spend much time today. There is some speculation among scholars as to uh, exactly what day Jesus may have been crucified on, and that's a hard question for us to answer Typically speaking, it is, it is believed that Jesus was crucified on Friday, which is why we celebrate Good Friday and why we celebrate Easter Sunday, because Sunday would have been the day that he had risen. And that very likely could be uh, what occurred. But, but Jesus also said in Matthew chapter 12... He said that the sign that he was going to give would be the sign of Jonah. That was going to be the sign that when they saw that, they would, they would know something. They would know who Jesus was. And what was the sign that Jesus gave? He said, I will, uh, I will be like Jonah for three days and three nights. And so if we go by that and take Jesus' words literally, well, from Friday to Saturday to Sunday, there's no way to get three whole days and three whole nights. And so some have suggested that it's possible that Jesus was killed on a Wednesday or on a Thursday, depending on how you break that time frame down. Now, it doesn't really matter. That's a good topic for you to, 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 to study and, and, and research on your own. It, it doesn't really matter too much if we know the exact day that Jesus died. Uh, the point is, is that there was a pause that had to occur between Jesus' death and the time that Jesus was placed in the grave to the time that he was resurrected. And so these events had to occur before the Sabbath day, and Jesus was in the grave on the Sabbath, and at some point after that, Jesus would raise from the grave. In verse 46, After he had bought some fine linen, he took him down and wrapped him in the linen. Then he placed him in a tomb cut out of the rock and rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Now, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, were watching where he was placed. Now, when we look at the other gospel accounts, we see something interesting. We also see that not only was Joseph there, but a guy by the name of Nicodemus was there who brought some spices to help, help prepare the body, to anoint the body, and to get it prepared for burial, and they, they weren't able to do all of that that they wanted to do uh, before the Sabbath. They ran out of time. Time was too short, and we see later that, that some women went back for this purpose. They were going to anoint Jesus in this way, uh, that, that bodies would have been anointed for burial. But but it's interesting that we see a mention of Nicodemus. Uh, some of you may remember him from a story in John chapter 3, uh, in particular John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And this was the conversation that Jesus was having with Nicodemus. And and Jesus was trying to to show Nicodemus the way. And and obviously it had stuck because all of this time later, however, how much time had passed, here was Nicodemus who who was there with Joseph. It it seems clear that he loved Jesus, and he too wanted to give Jesus a proper burial and so he was placed in the tomb and Mark doesn't give us the details but we see in the other gospel accounts that 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 those who hated Jesus and had him killed they were worried they said hey we've got to seal this tomb up we've got to put guards outside of this tomb because this guy said that he was going to come back and we are afraid that his disciples will come in the night and they will steal his body and they will lie to everybody and tell everybody that Jesus has been resurrected from the grave. And so Jesus was taken from the cross and he was placed in this tomb by by Joseph Joseph of Arimathea and because time had run out and they couldn't continue things because it was a Sabbath and a holy day and a day of rest, they they sealed the tomb up. A stone was rolled in front of the tomb and guards were placed in front of the tomb so that there would be no way that the disciples could steal Jesus' body and that there would be no way that jesus was going to escape after all how could he he was in a tomb covered with a stone and once the sabbath had passed the story picks up in mark chapter 16 and in mark chapter 16 we see this in verse 1 when the sabbath was over mary magdalene mary the mother of james and salone bought, bought, bought spices so they could go and anoint him Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. So very early in the morning, just as it was uh, beginning to, to be sunlight, these ladies went. And their desire was to give Jesus a proper burial, a proper anointing that they weren't able to do on the day of his death, because the Sabbath had come. Now, we see here that they came very early in the morning on the first day of the week, and... I wanted to spend a second just to clarify that when we speak of the first day of the week, we speak of Sunday. Now, even on our calendars, we see that. We see that Sunday is the first day of the week, but sometimes we, we, we tend to think of Monday as the first day of the week. And and, and when we see this here, it, it is speaking of Sunday. Saturday is the last day of the week. Saturday is the Sabbath day, and Sunday is the first day of the week and and this may would lead to confusions if you think well man monday is the first day of the week so jesus must have been resurrected on a monday and i've i've heard people say that before but i don't think that that's i I think that that's probably inaccurate i think it's pretty clear that Jesus was resurrected on a Sunday and it would have been a Sunday morning that they would have gone to the tomb here and we see in Revelation chapter 1 verse 10 when John is speaking he says that he was he was he was uh, the spirit of the Lord came on him on the Lord's day now it's possible that when he says the Lord's day there that he is referring to Sunday. And we see in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, that the early church would meet on the first day of the week. And this was likely because that's the day Jesus was resurrected, which is why we meet on Sundays today. That's, that's the day that Jesus was resurrected. That's the day that Jesus was raised up out of the tomb. When they, when they went back to the tomb on the first day of the week on Sunday, Jesus was not there. And here these ladies go. Now, it's interesting that Jesus had, 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 had told his disciples in particular that he was going to be raised three days later, and I don't know if these ladies knew that or not. Perhaps they did, but, but it's amazing the response that we see of, of, of these ladies and in particularly his disciples. You would have thought that after being with Jesus and having Jesus tell them directly that he was going to be raised three days later, that when he died, they'd have just said, okay, well, we can we can tough it out for a few days, but they didn't. They they lost heart. Uh, they all were, were shocked when they got the news that they are about to get right here, as, as well as you and I would be too, probably. We probably wouldn't have been any better. That's a that's a hard thing to wrap your head around. I mean, people don't just raise from the dead. I mean, that's just not a common occurrence. And even all that Jesus had done, the the, the disciples obviously still had not completely trusted and believed what he said or else they would not have been so surprised at what was about to occur. And so these women head out to this tomb that had been sealed and there had been guards placed there and they get there early in the morning on Sunday morning at sunrise and it says in verse 3 that they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? Looking up, they observed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a long white robe sitting on the right side. They were amazed and alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he told them. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene. He was crucified. He has been resurrected. He is not here. See the place where they put him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. So they went out and started running from the tomb because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them. And they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. Here these ladies go. Simply anoint the body of Jesus, wondering, man, how are we going to move this big stone? We don't have the strength to do that. And when they arrive at the tomb, the stone has been removed. And there, an angel of the Lord speaks to them the best words maybe that have ever been spoken. The best four words perhaps that have ever been spoken. The angel told the ladies, he is not here. He is not here. Everything that we see in scripture was leading up to this point. Had the women have gotten to the tomb that day and Jesus' body had been laying there and decaying, we would not be in this room. Had Jesus' body been there, we would be doomed. Had Jesus' body had been there, he would have been a lying lunatic. He would have deceived all of those who followed him. And Jesus' followers that day, the ladies that came to the tomb, they approached the tomb, and as they approached, the stone was rolled away, and there they got the best news that they could get. And there we get the best news that you and I can get. Jesus is not in the grave. Where is he? He's been resurrected. He's sitting at the right hand of God. He is victorious. He is all-powerful. He has been given all authority. He suffered and died and he shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven. But then what? Well, that wasn't the end. Jesus wanted more. He wanted our sins to be forgiven and he wanted us to be able to conquer the one thing that we were all doomed to and that is death. For the wages of sin is death. And we were doomed to die, spiritually speaking. Now, we're still going to die in this world. If we live long enough, we are going to die. We are going to one day take our last breath. When is that going to be? It could be your next. It could be in 10 years from now. But one day, you are going to take your last breath. You are going to leave this old world. That death is inevitable. But but Jesus died to save us from a greater death, from a spiritual death. That our soul wouldn't die in sin and be separated from God for all of eternity. And so Jesus died so that through his blood and sacrifice our sin could be covered. Because justice had to occur. You may say, well how does Jesus' death forgive my sins? Because God is a just God. God cannot allow evil to go unpunished. Or else he would not be just. Evil must be Punished. We may not not see that really in our world today. There's a lot of evils that people allow to go unpunished, but that's injustice. God is just. It is impossible for a just God not to punish evil. Evil must be punished. A sacrifice must be given. A price must be paid. And that is why Jesus had to die. Because if Jesus had not died, then we would have to be punished. We would have to pay the price. And if we paid the price, our soul would be helpless and hopeless. But God said, I will send my only son. I'll send him for a humble birth. I'll send him to be born in a manger. I'll send him on a life that's going to be tough where he'll be ridiculed by by tons of people who, who hate him and want to kill him and who eventually will nail him to a cross. I will send him. And Jesus said, I will go. And Jesus said, I will suffer. And Jesus said, I will give my life. Why? So that justice could be served, so that evil could be accounted for, that Jesus would do that, so that you and I would not have to, that Jesus would take our judgment, that Jesus would take our punishment, so that we could receive his grace. And that's why Jesus had to die on the cross. But God is a good God, and Jesus was a faithful servant, and God did not leave Jesus in the tomb. He did not allow his Holy One to see decay. But God raised him from the dead because he was a faithful servant, because God was all-powerful, because God was pleased with his son. Three days later, just as Jesus has said, God raised him from the dead. And when the ladies got there that day, they heard the words of the angel that said, He is not here. And that's why we rejoice at Christmas and that's why we rejoice in January and February and March and April and May and June and July and August and September and October and November. We rejoice because Jesus is not in the tomb, He is sitting at the right hand of God. And by His power and by His death, Jesus says, I want you to enter into my kingdom. Jesus says, I want you to be able to escape birth. Jesus says, one day you're going to breathe your last in this world but he says i want you to be with me in the life to come and that is where our hope comes from that is why we can rejoice in the fact that our savior came because he died and because he was raised from the dead and so when we think about christmas season as being a season of hope a season of joy it is hope and joy because we know we have something better to look forward to than this life if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He is not in the tomb. And if you put your faith and trust in him, I've got good news for you. You will not stay in the tomb either. The same God that raised him will raise you. The same God that allowed Jesus to conquer death will allow you to conquer death. And the Jesus who died on the cross with no sin will cover your sin. Do you trust Him today? Have you put your hope in Jesus today? If you hadn't, you need to do it. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and we thank you for all of these good words and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that He came and we thank you more, dear Lord, that He he lived faithful and obedient to you and we thank you that He died on the cross for us. We thank you that He gave His life for us. We thank you that He cared enough for us old sinners to do it. God, I pray that if there's one in this room that has not put their faith in Jesus, that today the that they would do it, maybe for the first time they realize that their sins have not really been covered. Because God, unless they really put their, their heart, trust in Jesus, God, there is no forgiveness of sins. God, maybe, maybe there's some in this room and they've come to church. Maybe they know about Jesus. Maybe they've heard about his death on the cross, but maybe they've never, never fully trusted him. God, He died for them, and I pray that You just help the Holy Spirit to to work on the hearts of any that, that, that may not know Him today, that they would repent of their sin, that they would seek Jesus, that they would praise You, dear Lord, for the Son that You sent. God, that we would rejoice in the fact that Jesus gave His life for us. God, if there are some in here that are not Yours, I pray that they wouldn't leave today until they get their heart right with You. God, maybe there are some in here today that are that are already yours, and maybe there are just some things going on in their life. God, maybe they're having just tough times with, with life circumstances. I pray that you give them encouragement. God, maybe there's a need that they have. You know what it is. God, I pray that you'd meet their need. God, maybe they're in the midst of sadness this Christmas season. I pray that you give them, you give them a little bit of joy. God, maybe there are some that are living in sin. And I pray that you just would convict us if we are and help us to be obedient to you. God, give us the encouragement we need and the correction we need. And God, I thank you that we have the freedom to come here. And I thank you for these good words. And God, may we rejoice today in the fact that Jesus is not in the tomb. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.